Hello again, ladies and gentlemen, and other assorted gender assignations. Welcome back to the Bored to Death Binge Cast, where we take TV shows and movies and binge them in easily digestible chunks. I am Jay Winger, being joined by... Chris. And we're taking a, still taking a break from Gundam, although that will uh, hopefully resume soon. Hopefully tomorrow. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully we'll record it tomorrow, which will mean means it'll come, up, come out the week after uh, this one. But he and I are going to continue our binge of Netflix's Castlevania. And this time we're into season three, and it's fully blind this time. Yep, I have not seen it at all. I meant to watch it when it first came up, but I just I just never got around to it. Yeah, there's a whole lot of stuff out there to watch besides everything, you know, besides like Castlevania. And, Castlevania, Gundam, etc., etc., etc. So... We're both looking forward to seeing where this is going because we don't really have much of a clue. Uh, when we left off at the end of season two, Dracula was dead, mm-hmm. but Carmilla, who had been scheming behind his back, is still alive. She's heading back to her home country to basically amass her to basically gather her forces so she can try to fill the power vacuum. And she has one of the Forge Masters. Yep, she has Hector with her. Isaac got chucked through a magic portal and is making his way back towards Wallachia or Europe or wherever. Well, he he got thrown back to his home country Mm -hmm. where Dracula found him. Yep, and now he's basically, like, basically saying, fuck the world, I'm gonna just make my, I'm gonna make my own army with blackjack and hookers. But forget about the blackjack and the hookers. uh, And, um, who was it? uh, Again, I keep... I get ready to call him Simon, but I know it's not him. Tre- Trevor is uh, basically is going off with Sypha to basically do the adventuring thing with her, and he's bequeathed the Belmont estate and the hold beneath it to Alucard. Uh, and it, because Castle Dracula, yeah, yeah, Castle Dracula is like permanently in place where. Basically right next door. <laughs> yeah, well, it's literally on property, and it's like right above where the. Uh, the Belmont Library is mm-hmm. in this like great big huge basement that they uh, that they made. Uh, so he catacomb told, more like it, more like it, but yes, this is basically what it is. So he tells Alucard, he's like, "Well, you know, you have all of your dad's knowledge up here. You have all of my family's knowledge down here. I want you to have it, and you should keep both and you know guard keep, keep it safe, keep it all safe." And he's like, seriously? He's like, yeah, it's all yours. And Alucard and, is basically now alone in his uh, in his dad's castle, mourning the death of his father. Because while his father was a monster... He was still his dad. Exactly. It's like, evil, even evil has loved ones. And those loved ones may hate them, but they're still the complicated mess of emotions that goes along with it. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's usually how it is. But, I mean, like what we said uh, in a... Season one, we don't think that Dracula would have been like this if his wife hadn't been if if the, if, the stake. if the bishop hadn't been a dick and killed it and killed his uh, killed his wife. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, let's see where season three takes us. Uh, mm-hmm. Are we? Do you think that those uh, predictions that I kind of made would be coming through? Like, I th- you think you were guessing that Isaac was gonna come in toward more towards the end of the season? It was Carmilla that was gonna be the. No, no, what was it? No, uh, if you remember, because uh, uh, it's been a few, it's been a few weeks 
since since we last watched this. No, well, do you remember when I said that Isaac? Well, the two Forge Masters were mm-hmm. in uh, one of the Castlevania games. One was the villain. The other one was the hero character. Okay. Um, and Isaac was the was the villain. Uh, or was it Hector? I'm trying to remember which Hector one. is the one who tends to pref- who prefers to raise animals back from the dead. Hector was. Hector was the good Hector, guy. Hector was the good guy. Okay. Isaac was the villain. They uh, definitely set them up that way. In, exactly. In the they, they, like, Hector is just way more just innocent about about the world um, than in, uh, Isaac is. But in the Castlevania game that they're in, uh, Trevor is in it, and Dracula. Uh, does come back in the game. Like, throughout the game, like, he's supposed to be dead, but his presence is felt. It's, like, one of those things. And, like, what we saw at the end of uh, Season 2 when he died, it, I'm assuming that they're going to go the Dracula's curse route and show that his death cursed the land. Yeah, that there's a consequence to killing, <laughs> killing something that powerful. <laughs> exactly. So I'm honestly wondering what repercussions does his death have on the area, like, right. the, of the land, uh, mm. and are we going to go, oh, God, I hope we don't go Simon's Quest on this. Oh, what a <laughs> terrible night to have a curse. <laughs> but then again, I was still, I was still kind of hoping we would have gotten the, gotten the line, you know, like, what is a man? <laughs> a miserable pile of secrets. <laughs> yeah. But we didn't get it. But, you know, then again, they may not do the whole, what a terrible night to have a curse. Although if they do, it's just, it will both just be like, ah, there it is. Like, oh, oh, there it is. He said the line. <laughs> Ding, check it off. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, when we get back from the binge, uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk about what we just saw, maybe talk about other, other things related to like, sort of like what we briefly just dis- discussed just before we started recording about, uh, well, no, earlier today about uh, other animated Stuff. Projects, other animated projects. Sort of revisiting something we did in a previous uh, Castlevania binge, binge cast. But anyway, we'll see you after the binge. And we're back after our binge of Castlevania season three, the first five episodes at least. Uh, you mentioned you and you looked this up while we were watching. That apparently they they have already confirmed there's a season four. Yeah, Netflix did announce that season four. Uh, or the series has been renewed for a fourth season, but they didn't say when it was going to come out. Right. Well, especially given the current situation that's going to slow down uh, production of damn near everything. Um, But that definitely explains how, from the get-go, as as they started establishing the various schemes and whatnot going on in the in this season, I was like, how are they going to resolve all this in just 10 episodes? <laughs> They're not. It, I, I'm starting to notice this with this particular series is, uh, going back to season one, that was to establish the story, bring in the characters to... The, establish the main trio. Yeah. You know, Trevor, Sypha, and well, Alucard. Well, well, besides, well, I'm just saying, they, uh, the, not just them, but, you know, Dracula and everybody else. Um, yeah. And to... Basically say, hey, this is what's going on. Here are your characters. Here's how here's, fucked up the world is. Here's how messed up everything is. Here's the uh, uh, a little bit about them that yep. they had shown. And then season two was... Introduce more characters, but start building towards the... The big battle between... The Battle of Brela. <laughs> yeah, between... Yeah, and uh, the battle between uh, the trio and Dracula. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what they're doing with this one is 
They established new characters. Uh, with with uh, Count Count Saint Germain, uh, Carmilla's sisters, and those are the those are the main ones. Yeah. There's the there's the captain, but he's only in like two episodes. And he's and, not in. And that. and they've sort of they it's they've seemingly written him out, but he's voiced by Lance Reddick, and I doubt they're only going to have him in for just one episode. He might. Let's see if he pops back up either in this season or in uh, season four. Yeah, um, but this season it's it starts like starts out like a month following the end of season two. Mm-hmm. Alucard's been living alone in the ruins of his father's castle with a doll of- with dolls that he's made of Trevor and Sypha <laughs> and he's talking to them and, and he's pretty much talking to them in like him imitating their voices and at the same time he's also making fun of them yeah uh, and he's just like I'm losing my mind <laughs> going mad from the isolation and uh, it also shows uh, Hector, who is, he's been taken by Carmilla and brought to her castle. In Styria, it's, which is apparently somewhere in Austria. Yeah, based on the map that we saw. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew and, I thought it was in Skyrim somewhere. <laughs> based on the way it looked, yeah. Um, Although later it looked almost more like Minas Tirith at that one point. It wasn't so frozen looking, but uh, <laughs> anyway. But anyways, um, so he's basically being forged to, I'm sorry, forced to be her own personal forge master, but she's treating him like an animal. Yeah. You the, know, he's, she's... They're de-hum- they dehumanized him so much, they keep referring to him as it and that, <laughs> and they throw him in a cell butt naked after having beaten the crap out of him and, and forcing him to march back to steer back to Styria, which is 800 miles from Brela. And, uh, what was, what was it that she said? Uh, you know, having to travel by at night for only eight hours at a time, mm-hmm. uh, because that's how long a night, the nights tend to last. And their van and Carmilla and her army were vampires. And they look like they're wearing elvish armor. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, the first thing that they feed him after they threw him in this cell in a dungeon is a piece of moldy bread, which at first I thought was cheese until when he bit into it. No, he, like, yeah, he, like, yeah, he bit into it and it tore away and it was very clearly bread. It was clearly bread. The go- the one guard is outside, gets a bucket of ice water because snowy area mm-hmm. and... Skyrim, yeah. Um, <laughs> Goes back inside and throws the water on him. It's just like, here, you've got to wash up. Splash. <laughs> and we're both like, he's going to get sick from this. I was like, yeah, but if he doesn't die from that sickness, his immune system is going to get one hell of a boost. This is true. Uh, Especially given this is still 15th century Europe. Yeah. And it's uh, like, no, this is how the plague starts. Apparently <laughs> the Black Plague started in a dungeon somewhere. But, um, that hurts Isaac showing up with his uh, with his with his crew. But that's 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 the other thing we need to we need to. Bring yeah, up. Isaac is now. Well, he he starts. We start out with him in Tunisia because yeah. he's in Tunis. He says, uh, and he meets with just some shopkeeper who has like the mystical mirror that Dracula had. But it's, it's like it's mirror. a view. It's a viewing mirror rather yeah. than the. 
portal mirror that Dracula had. Well, it's too small to be a portal mirror. This is true. Um, but uh, apparently the mirror likes to be called Sir. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, so It's a magical artifact. You, you play by the rules, it'll do what you want. <laughs> so... Uh, he, he uses the mirror to find, uh, Hector, he's like... Because he thinks of him, because he views him as a traitor to Dracula. Yeah. And Isaac still believes in Dracula's whole kill them all plan. Um, and he's... At, like, or at least, at the time he believed in it, it wavers a little bit in yeah, one of the Yeah, he kind of changes a little bit, uh, we'll get into that in a minute. Yeah. But he's laying there... And he sees him laying there, and he goes, oh, but you're not even breathing. And then he sees him breathing, and he's like, oh. Well, where, where, it's like, and then it's like, where is he? It shows him the castle, he's like, I don't know where that is. Who owns that castle? It shows him Carmilla, he's like, all right, two birds with one stone. Now yeah. I know where to go. Um, and now, in the meantime, because, again, it's been a month since uh, the end of, uh, in the show's timeline, it's been about a month since the events of since, since, since the Battle of Brela and the fight against Dracula. And Dr- Dracula's death, I should say. Yeah, and um, uh, Hector, oh, I'm sorry, Isaac, uh, has built up quite a small... A little, a little horde of monsters. <laughs> yeah, and so he's in this, like, Middle Eastern town. He's in Tunisia, I guess. Yeah, and after he gets done with the shopkeeper and the shopkeeper... Keeper, it's just like, like here, just here, take just, just take just take the mirror. I'm not gonna be here that much longer. It's like I know I'm destined for hell, but you're a forge master. You know, be nice to me. You know, help me get out of hell when 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 you can. So, <laughs> and Isaac's like, yeah, sure. He's like, yeah, sure. So he leaves, and when he walks out. You know, his monsters are still standing there, and he told before he walked into the shop, he told these monsters, just stand guard, don't do anything, be and at peace, be at peace. <laughs> It's just he, basically like, don't start any trouble. So he comes out, and they're all still standing there. Now, mind you, none of these monsters... Well, let's just say... They they're clearly out, monsters. Well they, well, they stick out like a sore thumb. Like I said, clearly monsters. Yeah. So, uh, he's... He walks out, and he sees there's a bunch of like guards or soldiers or whatever standing up with their swords out. And he's like, oh, well, you know, I just... We're, I, just, I, 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 I was I, just I, leaving. I was just leaving... I want to get on a boat, and then we'll leave. And they're like, nope, we can't let you do that. It's like, no, you're going to leave town right now. It's like, yes, I want to go to the port so I can leave town. They're like, nope, you're not going that far. The gate's that way. (laughs) So he's like, I try to be nice. All right, go ahead and eat them. He's just like, I don't don't need any fresh material. Go, you know, feed. (laughs) So they, the monsters, they go, I don't, I don't know if the monsters... If they killed just those guards, or if they killed that little part of the town, or what? They didn't really establish that. Yeah, he and he just wanders off to the port. Yeah, so he gets to the port, talks to the captain, says, "This is where I need to go. This is the people that I'm running with." And the uh, captain's like, "Sure, as long as you promise not to hurt me or my crew." And he's like, "All right, no problem." It's like you know, it's just like that's that's all that's all I want. You seem like you're you'll be an interesting passenger. And the next time we see him. He's sitting in the captain's quarters, sharing drink, a drink with him. Sharing a drink with him. Although Isaac doesn't drink alcohol, so, so it's just water, water with some lime in it. And so they're Gotta talking. prevent scurvy. So they're talking, and he's like, "So, what's your story?" Yeah. And he's like, "I was a, I was in Dracula's court. I'm a forge master." It's uh, like, and Dracula wanted to kill 
kill everybody in the world. And then he was just like, so what about you? He goes, oh, I think he would have gotten to me eventually. So, uh... But then the captain does something that I love when people actually ask this of somebody that has some end goal like that. Yeah. It's just, and he basically asks Isaac, so you kill everybody in the world, then what? And it actually makes Isaac stop. Because <laughs> I was like, I thought that that far ahead. It's, it's like, it forces them to think beyond, it's like, it's one of those things is like, so, say you conquer the world. What do you do then? I mean, granted, we've seen uh, some case, some of like the rare cases where the villain takes over or does their, yeah. their evil plan. Uh, Thanos in uh, Avengers. Well, in, in, in the Avengers movies, Thanos did have basically knew what he was going to do afterwards. He yeah. thought he was just going to go off to his garden and just you know be live, a, live at li- peace, live at live at peace, and you know not really thinking past the point that there are going to be survivors that are going to want revenge. But uh, um, Another case is uh, Megabyte and Reboot when he took over oh, Mainframe. Yeah. Granted, yeah, he really messed up Mainframe, but still. But well, in- he, I think, Megabyte's a conqueror, you know, case. He, he would have eventually set his eyes on another on another system. Supercomputer was, was I think, his, his real end goal. I probably, but I don't think, I don't remember if they established that or not. But, but it's, you know, and the only reason he didn't move on from mainframe in the, in that series is because he got locked in. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, but at any rate, but, um, you know, this, the captain basically forces Isaac to confront, the, confront a lot of things about himself. You know, the fact that he uh, doesn't really have any plans past slaughtering everybody and basically forces him to, you know, confront the fact that he's sort of lost his faith in God, you know, in his, his prayer and devotion that he, that he had prior to meeting Dracula. Yeah. And, and that, basically that, makes that, it, and basically makes him be like, I should, you know, basically says to him, you have the, yes, you, you want to kill everybody in the world because mankind can be cruel, but that mirror that you have was given to you, as a gift. As a gift. And the guy was laughing as he did it. It was basically like a joke to him. This this guy did it out of kindness. And if you kill everybody in the world, yes, you'll get rid of all of human cruelty, but you'll also be getting rid of all of human kindness. Which is one. Which is another one of those tropes that I love seeing uh, seeing addressed, is that mankind has the capacity to do great things that are good, as well as really, really fucked up things. It... Uh, <clears throat> that's the whole thing with free will. And, but then and he try, But then he tries to pull the nice card again when he finally gets to the next port. Yeah, when he gets to Genoa. And he's greeted by, once again, more guards. They got their swords drawn out. And they're like, get back just, on your boat. And he's like, the boat's, boat's gone. gone. <laughs> yeah, boat's gone. <laughs> and they're like, we'll drive you into the water. We really don't care. We just want you gone. And, and he's like, I'm... Don't I'm not don't want to do anything to you people in this town. I'm just going to move. I just want to move on. I have business north of here. You know, I'm not going to bother you people. And, and that's like, when they were like, we don't care. We saw what happened in Wallachia. <laughs> You're not going to do that. Do that here. And he's just like, I tried to be nice. <laughs> he's like, I tried to be nice, but uh, I got to do this again. And people and the, <laughs> and he, he 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 has this one line. It's it's like. One day, the last of you is going to ask why I killed everybody, and I'm going to tell them it's because you're all so fucking rude. That's when he snaps his fingers, <laughs> unleashes the horde. But then he, but then like before his horde can 
do too much damage. He's like, leave me some material. He's like, yeah, I need fresh material. And he's basically converting the, the corpses into demons. Well, what like the, was, with like a in the blink of an eye, like one or two of them weren't even corpses. Like it seems like they just got simply like tossed in his direction, or they went after him themselves, and he just goes grabs them, stabs them. No, I think demons. most of them had been like mortally wounded at some point. But um, regardless, but, it was holy crap! It was fast. Uh, Another thing, <clears throat> though, about the cap, the scene with the captain, because he discusses, I think Hector and the betrayal that happened there. And the captain sort of points out that you don't really know the full details of why he betrayed Dracula. And he's, and he gives him this quote that the captain claims that he just made up, which was, if you don't know the whole story, you become part of someone else's. Yeah. And he's basically trying, it's basically his way of saying, you don't know why he turned on Dracula, that there may be more to it than, you know, tre- than sheer treachery. That there, that there, that he may have had a good reason for doing it. So yeah, but it's like you need to learn the whole story first, um, and because uh, poor communication kills, <laughs> it really does. So anyway, so his little story arc right now is over until we see him next. Yeah, and we'll discuss where we think that's going as we once we finish talking about the current um, so half Car- of the season. So Carmilla sends one of her sisters down to visit Hector. And these sisters, I should note, you know, you think apart from Marana, I'm assuming that they're all re- that they are all are all actually like related to one. Well, another. I was reading the, I kind of read the plot a little bit mm. for this when I was trying to get a little bit more information. Because Carmilla does refer to her to her the rest of her council as sisters. They're now, all vampires. Now, whether it's sisters or sisterhood, that's the thing. Because um, I think it, I think they're just sort what, of like sisters and vampires. What I read didn't really specify; it just said sisters, but it only gave two of the names. Because I think there's like there was more than just the three, um, and uh, so she sends. Apparently, each one does something different. One's more of like the peaceful negotiator. That's, that's Lenore, goes, yeah. That she goes, that's when they go, get sent down. There's one who loves to torture to get information. That's Morana. Um, and so... And then you have Striga, who basically runs the military for, uh, Str- for Styria. Yeah, and... And, you know, Hector even points out, it's like, so if the three of you are running things, why do you need her? <laughs> and Lenore straight up says, she's the dreamer. She's the one who gives us the, the spark, the motivation to actually do this stuff. Because you get the impression, otherwise they just sort of camp out in their castle and just drink drink virgin's blood <laughs> until they run out, and then they have to go shopping. So she shows up with, with this basket is a little picnic basket. It's got some berries and chicken and stuff. And it, and a uh, like a like a quilt. Mm. That's what I can describe it. Well, yeah, she came with like a blanket. picnic blanket, basically. And she so brought a she, picnic basket. So she goes over to the one guard and goes, "I need a chair." She brings him in the chair, sits yeah. down, and then she goes, "All right, now you're going to leave, or I'm going to kill you." And now she goes like, "And you need to leave." And he just sort of looks at her. She's like, "You know," she's like, "She literally is like." Run. <laughs> so the guy leaves. Kind of looks like he stutters for a second and then leaves. And so she sits down and she pulls one of the little berries out. Yeah, she basically slowly coaxes uh, Hector out of his funk. Because he'd basically been, like, 
kind not quite given up, but it was like he doesn't he didn't give a shit because he's like you people have just treated me like garbage. Why should I why should I, why should I entertain even a moment of your time? <laughs> So she goes, takes a bite out of one of the berries, and she's like, oh, yeah, I know it looks like blood, but it's not. It's, you know, the real thing. And um, he's like, well, like, what do you want, essentially? And so she starts it. She's like, I just want to talk. Yeah, that's all she wants to do. She sits there, talks to him, gives him food, gives him, you know, anything. And then when he actually tries to take her hostage... Actually grabs her like in, an, in a hammer lock around she, the, the cage like, bar, grabs her by the throat, and is like, "Call for the guard, and I rip your throat out." And you're you're going to call, you know, it's like call the guard and have him unlock this door. And she pulls the classic vampire thing uh, move, where she turns into a bunch of bats, gets into the uh, the cell that he's in, and start like tear, not really tearing at him, just like but, biting and clawing at him. And then she turns into herself and kicks his ass, and literally beats the shit out of him. Walks in, uh, well, on the way out of the cell, she quite literally steps on him, and she's wearing heels. Flat heels, not like spiked ones. But, yeah. um, and turns into, like... The, the mist and goes through goes the bars, through. and she's like, people think because I'm the negotiator that I'm soft. <laughs> and so she takes one of the berries and, like, flicks it at him, and walks off. And she comes back at some, like, time. some time later. Yeah, sometime later. Well, she leaves the blanket for him. Yeah, she left the blanket for him. So she comes back and she sees him, and she, this time she throws an apple to him and goes, "I promise it's not poisoned." And he takes a bite out of it, and uh, so she uh, again, they, she just sort of talks. Yeah, and she ba- she is kind of, she kind of does what the captain does for Isaac and makes him confront. Uh, some things about himself, but in Isaac's case, it was the fact that he hadn't really thought past, uh, you know, slaughtering everyone. And the captain even basically gave Isaac away, away beyond just slaughtering people. It's like, you have the capacity to do kindness. You could just teach people to be better people. Uh, he, he tried. Yeah, he did try. In Lenore's case, she makes Hector confront his own naivety. Because he was a very innocent, naive person, and made him confront the fact that Dracula had lied to him. Yeah, because uh, she she's like, so what was Dracula's plan? He goes, oh well, kill oh, it was everybody. a cu- it was a culling. No, it was a culling. As Hector knew, it was a culling that they keep some humans alive in like pens, essentially, and use yeah, them as livestock. Yeah, like again, going back to what I said in season one, like in, like what we saw in Blade Trinity. Or, um, classic bags. Daywalkers? Was that another vampire? That was another vampire movie, I think. Wasn't I never it? saw Daywalkers. Neither did I, but that was a similar thing where they basically had, you know, treated humans more or less like... Livestock. Like livestock. So, or slaves, really, but essentially livestock. Yeah. So he goes and tells her what Dracula's plan was, and she goes, that's funny because that's what Carmilla was. That, that's what our plan was. But she also asks him, what do you want? And he just pokes his feet out from under the covers and goes, shoes. <laughs> and she's like, but what did Dracula offer you for doing, for being his forge master? And he just sort of stammers a lot. And it's like, cause he hadn't really asked for anything. And he just assumes that Dracula would let him live in the, in what he thought was going to happen, just sort of like outside the cages, essentially. And Lenore basically, without saying as much, calls him a fool is more or less doing that. Yeah. And just basically, it's like, we are offering to reward you in exchange for being our 
for being a forge master for us, to make an army for us. It's like, you know, she basically is making him sort of wake up to the fact that he hadn't ever really thought about things like that. He hadn't really demanded anything from Dracula. Right, because, well, then again, remember when Dracula came to him, he was just living on a remote farm somewhere with all of his little zombie animals, which is all that he really wanted. Uh, He just wanted to bring everybody's dead pets back to life. Granted, they're not. I just wanted to bring Daisy back to life. (laughs) So, uh, so on her way out, he goes, uh, "No holes. Please make sure they don't have any holes in them." And look who's a fucking aristocrat. (laughs) (laughs) So was her response. But um, uh, and now on to Alucard. Alucard gets visited by a couple of Japanese. Uh, teenagers, essentially. I got the impression that they're, like, teenagers. Probably, maybe late teens, possibly early 20s. We don't yeah, really they're, 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 we don't really get a good sense of how old they are, but they, they're they not they're not very experienced. But uh, They are vampire hunters. They're vampire hunters. But they are specifically hunting Cho, who was the vampire, Japanese vampire general from season, three, from season two. Yeah, uh, who is already dead at this point. Um, and so they go and they explain what their story is, and it turns out they were a part of a audience from for Cho who was forced, basically her forced, hidden court, her hidden court, who she forced to make them watch her uh, kill like, kill any hunter. any kill any hunters that came for her. Yeah, uh, usually like hunters would get killed, but every now and then she would let they would let one slip in. So that way she could basically... Abuse herself. Yeah. So Basically is like, I'm going to take my time killing this this one. You are all going to watch. Now, mind you, this guy's in like full samurai armor. Mm. Um, and the first thing she does is she... She's toying with him. Yeah. She's he, playing... he, doesn't, he doesn't lay a single... Lay a single finger on her. Doesn't hurt her in the slightest. And she is just cutting into... To bits with like her fingernails, essentially. Um, and well, the first thing she does is she knocks his helmet off, just uh, just because she's just like, yeah. <laughs> so and yeah, it's just it. She toys with him. She breaks his armor at one point. And she her, and she finally just starts like crippling him. You know, you know, slicing tendons in his legs, ripping his arm apart, and, and then she finally bites him. Maybe. Well. No, she like, and when he re- he realizes that he's that he can't beat her, and she's already shattered his sword by that point. Well, one of them. Yeah, well, he shattered his katana. He pulls his wakazashi, getting ready to commit commit suicide, and she stops him just so she can so she can feed on him. So, uh, but anyway, Sumi and Taka, these these two Japanese siblings, uh, get I get the definite impression that they are brother and sister. They come to Alucard when they find out Cho's dead. They're they're like there are other vampires in Japan, and somebody's just going to move in to try to and you know take over her take over her court, and it's just all going to start again. We need we need your help to train ourselves, and so we know how to kill these th- kill these vampires better. Yeah, um, and so and he's like, yeah, I could do that, and I could teach you teach you some magic. <laughs> Well, it's funny because of how they introduce the two characters, because he's minding his own business out by a river. He catches a fish, slaps it, knocks it out, gets and he, water, and he can hear something in the distance, and so he, he as he's reaching into the water to grab this bucket, 
He's reach, he reaches down with his other hand, acting like he's going to lift it up, grabs a decent a size stone. rock, decent size stone, takes it, hucks it, and after he throws it, he starts doing his vampire teleportation shit. Flash step all over uh, the place. All over the woods. The rock hits the brother who is armed with a bow and arrow. And then yeah, he's he, the Hanzo man. And he goes and tackles the sister and is just like, what do you want? And they're like, oh, we were looking for the... Uh, we the, were the Alucard. <laughs> the, the Alucard. And the anti-Dracula. The anti-Dracula. And he's like, he's like, I'm just... Just Alucard. Alucard. <laughs> no the <clears throat> So... Uh, he takes them in, and, uh... There's a very fast friendship that develops between them. Yeah, um, like, during their training session, he's using his long sword, and, of course, they're just using, like, standard-sized swords, mm -hmm. and they're like, we can't get close enough to you. He's like, and you so he shouldn't get close to a vampire. <laughs> so he shows an example of why you shouldn't get close to a vampire, and when they do, he bears his fangs... And uh, he says, if a va if you get this close to a vampire, you're basically dead. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, and one of them, the brother is like, oh, well, that's why I have my bow and arrow, whatever the hell mm -hmm. it was. And, and, you know, and then it just sort of turns into more like roughhousing rather than serious training. Yeah, they just start goofing. They start goofing around. And, and you can tell it's because Alucard is lonely as fuck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's living by himself. He's got a castle and a freaking basement. Um and so, uh, he goes, while they're laying on the grass, giggling, he goes, and now you're all dead. Goes, <laughs> you're all dead by vampires. And, and she goes, well, no, now you're my slave. And I demand, <laughs> I demand lunch. I demand lunch. <laughs> so he picks him up and he's like, all right, let's go make lunch. Uh, now on to... Now, Trevor and Sypha, we barely touched on them. They've been having their own adventures. They keep referring to... Things that they've encountered, like flying demon goats that shit all over everything. Flaming shit. <laughs> Flaming shit. But there was the reference of the Pirate of the Roads <laughs> in the first episode. There were like two separate references to the uh, a, a, a bandit who had put wheels on a ship uh, sailboat <laughs> and was calling himself the Pirate of the Roads. And I was like, why did you not show that? <laughs> I don't know why, for some reason I'm thinking of like if Jack Sparrow was in One Piece. It no. was more like Robin Hood. <laughs> Jack Sparrow on the land, basically. Yes. So, Just Jack Sparrow on the land. Not in One Piece, because One Piece is still all over the ocean anyway. But <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, we're sidetracked. But, um, but yeah, so they get... They, 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 kill, they kill some night creatures. Um, and after they kill the night creatures, they drag one of them behind the, the wagon that they're on. And it's this werewolf-looking one. And they so, bring it to this town called Lindenfeld. And uh, so, like, the first character that we're introduced to in this is... Uh, Count Saint-Germain. Saint who's voiced by Bill Nye. Yeah, it's like, you know, we both sort of recognize the voice at the same time. You were like, I know that voice. I was like, immediately, like, that's Bill Nye. <laughs> and he... Uh, he's... He's a, he's a huckster. Yeah, he's kind of like, oh, well, you know, like, you know, you know uh, I want one of these apples. How much is it? They're like two coins. Two he's coins like, each. Two coins each. And he's like, it was one coin for two yesterday. <laughs> and the merchant's just like, well, that was yesterday. 
So he pulls out his little chain first, and he pulls out this one coin that's like silver. It's like twice the size of like the normal coins mm-hmm. and thicker. And she's like, "Well, it's still that, two coins. It's still two coins." And, and he's like, "This is worth twice, <laughs> twice, uh, you know what you were asking for." And she's like, "It doesn't matter. Two, two coins." coins. <laughs> um, and um, meanwhile, while this is happening, because once again, I have to say this. I'm not really all that familiar with a lot of the characters from the Castlevania games, so I had to go and look up who this person was. Yes, he's from the games. He's from the same game uh, that I think Hector and Isaac are in. Um, <clears throat> and uh, apparently he is somebody who, uh, what the description for him was, which was very, very brief, it said that he um, avoids death and that he... Uses time travel. Hmm. Well, and to go with the time travel thing, you noted that he had like a an hourglass. He had an hourglass his... around around his neck. It didn't he could just him. be a medieval version of Flavor Flay, for all we know. Mine, well, <laughs> <laughs> except he's white and old. Okay, uh, so it's a time turner. <laughs> yeah. So um, before you go on, interesting fact about hmm. Saint Germain because I know the name, not from Castlevania though. Count Saint Germain is an actual per- was an actual person. 18th century, not 15th century. Mm-hmm. But then again, you said you know you noted that you read in his uh, entry on whatever wikia that you looked him up on that he avoids death in the series. As he's talking to himself, he calls himself immortal. You know, so there, there's definitely something going on there, but. Saint Germain in real life was like a was a mystic and uh, with an interest in alchemy, and he did, and he basically was viewed as something like a like a huckster. He traveled from court to court around Europe, so it's you know they kind of took some of the attributes. They, they they took a lot of the attributes for him. I, I'm sure for the game as well, you know, uh, but also you know they put that here in in the series as well. You know, he's got an interest in alchemy. Uh, we see that ha- see that in two specific cases. First, when he's talking with the prior uh, about the symbol that they wear on their sleeve, and the sulfur cross. Yeah, which um, when I we'll, we'll talk about the priors in, in, a, in a bit, but well, no, I was talking about the symbol. Yeah, the symbol. Um, well, when I saw it, I was like, well, it's definitely a satanic symbol, but I don't know which one it is because. Well, well, no, it's like, you, we were both like, I've seen that symbol somewhere before, and you looked it up and found out that, yeah, it was a, it's a satan, satanic symbol. And it's also apparently a symbol used in alchemy. To um, denote sulfur, <clears throat> which is, of course, brimstone. So, uh, so yeah, I'm honestly wondering how that's going to come into play, and uh, he tells these monks... Uh, well, and the monks we need to we need to address also. They apparently worship Dracula. That you know uh, the the judge of the town is voiced by Jason Isaacs. Pretty chill, pretty chill guys, like a reasonable authority figure. Shocking, given the yeah. other authority figures we've seen in this series, like the bishop. Because yeah. Um, you know, when I first saw him, I was like, "That's a bad guy." But then he sort of he was basically like more wants to hire. He hires Trevor and Sypha to find out what's going on in the Priory, and we see a flashback sequence when some night creatures attack the town. He got hit. He rounded up the men at arms, 
and had them kill these things. With their spears and swords and arrows and whatever covered in salt and shit. And as Trevor points out, the salts, of course, we already know is a, is a thing that you want to use against these things. But the shit, he explains, is an old soldier's trick to make sure that the wound turns septic. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure how that works on demons. Well, hey, every trick it in the still book works. works. It, yeah, uh, but there was one night creature, big Cthulhu-looking motherfucker. <laughs> well, he didn't really have the tentacles on like his um, mouth. Um, it was more like these like glowy Princess Mononoke-looking things on on the back of its head. That, but it had all the eyes and the the weird like fangs sticking out of its mouth. Yeah. I can see why you'd think that. But uh, it, and mushrooms on its back, too. Or at least it looked like mushrooms to me, anyways. So, anyways, so it takes off, bounces around from one rooftop to another, makes its way to the church, goes through the roof, you hear the people scream, and the... Uh, glowing lights and shit going off from within. Well, yeah, as the, as the story is being told, it says, well... It was, I, it I was, was like, quiet. I was, like, I was like, it was really quiet. I'm like, there's no way in hell this thing could have killed those people that fast. And then I started to notice that it was talking to them. And um, yeah, we just and we don't really hear what we just hear noises that are definitely not just typical monster. <laughs> no, it's probably speaking, uh, you know, maybe like whatever language, uh, Latin. I'm sorry. Maybe not even Latin. It may have been one of the other demonic language, Enochian. Or whatever. Probably that. That was that was the thing that was mentioned in season two. I think that that the books in the in the Belmont Library were written in or something. Yeah, most most likely something like that. Whatever, it, whatever whatever case, it was some not some language, some demonic language. So, uh, and the and the, ju- and the judge explains. My authority ends at the doors of the priory. It's like I cannot enter there. <laughs> So, whatever happened inside of this church, he doesn't know what the hell happened. All he saw was that there was a bunch of, the, like, lights were going, and... I, co- I compared it to, like, the containment unit being ter- switched off in Ghostbusters. <laughs> and the next thing you see is this, like, you know, like, this, like, foggy mist comes out, and that's it. That's and he, and he basically says that it broke the people in the Priory, that most of them... Uh, would not stop crying. They wouldn't talk. The only one that we really see talk for the longest time until the scarred monk shows up is uh, Prior Sala, who looks like Rasputin. Yeah. <laughs> for a moment, until he was given a name, I could have sworn, I was like, did we just meet Rasputin? But no, it's, um, but Sala is, you can tell just by looking at him, he's bug fuck crazy. <laughs> oh, babe. Um, so, but he, but they worship Dracula and they worship hell. They're wearing the they're wearing the sulfur cross on on their arms. And well, it's there's also painted like, all over the walls and the in the prior. Well, there's also the priory. way the uh, there's also the way the uh, the robes look where they're black and red, mm. like black with like a red trim. Yeah, but that's not too unusual. It was more the stoles that they wore that were red. Yeah. Than the robes, the robes being red, typical monk thing. But the stoles still, you know, that's very religious seeming like cardinals and stuff wear that sort of thing. You don't usually see everybody in a particular place wearing it, but we don't know what their priory was like before they all got, before they all got mind raped by that thing. Well, well, yeah, plus we don't really know what all exactly happened and that we might find out later on. Mm -hmm. Well, Uh, this is still only the first half of the season. (laughs) Um, Um, so, um, 
so anyways, uh, uh, Saint Germain, Saint Saint Germain. Yeah, you can just call him Saint Germain. It's like I know how to pronounce it, but it's well, well, yeah, yeah. You look at it and you're like, oh, this song's pronounced. Um, but anyways, uh, he tells these monks, uh, he's like, you know, I can read these dead languages that you are, the, the books that you guys have that you that you, the, that you can't read. Yeah, and so they're like, okay, cool, come on in. By the way, you can only go where we tell you. So, while he's sitting in there reading these pages, uh, he sees three of the monks are talking amongst themselves, and it's inaudible. We don't know what they're saying. But they wander off. Yeah, they wander off. And so he pulls out this, like, little, like, crystal thing. It's a gem. He said it was a jewel of some kind. Yeah, this gem that he has. It looks like an opal or something. And it starts glowing, these, like, rainbowy colors. Yeah. Uh, and that's when he realizes that there's this portal that he's looking for is underneath this church, and but he can't get to it. And when he tries to wa- wander down into the basement, Sala is just there. It's like I thought I told you to stay up here. <laughs> and then he was like, "Oh, got to." He, he he quickly talks his way out of it. If you can tell, that Sala is just sort of like, "You're not doing much for your case to make me trust you." <laughs> um. So. But yeah, he then. Talks with Trevor and Sypha, who've basically figured out there's more going on with both in the church and with him, and they they sit down to to have a chat about it, and he basically explains, yeah, "Have you ever heard of the Infinite Corridor?" And they're both like, "Yeah." <laughs> He's like, "Well, shit. I was hoping I could reveal <laughs> reveal secrets here, but you both already know." So that's when he goes and explains, you know, this what this gem does. It leads him to these corridors. The these portals that lead to the infinite corridor, which can lead to different worlds and or hell. So uh, he's like, Well, you can see that it's glowing rather intensely and uh, I found out that this portal that I'm looking for is underneath the church and I can't get to it. And they're like, we don't know that the creature, that the night creature even died in there. And that's that makes Saint Germain, who just sort of been like waving it off, just suddenly go, well, shit. <laughs> and that's kind of where we left off. But uh, as we noted at the beginning of this, they've already confirmed that that they that season four has been given a green light. And now that we've now that we know that, it's clear. I think I see where the arc of this season is going to lead. It's exactly like what they did with season one. Right. Um, season one set up the forces at play, but it, the heroes primarily were focused on getting to the savior underneath uh, Greget, which turned out to be Alucard. And then season two sets up the big climactic battle with uh, Dracula. This one, it's clear that they're setting up they're setting up the forces at play again, introducing uh, the Styrian sisters and I, setting up Isaac's uh, story arc, <clears throat> narrative arc rather, and uh, and Alucard and and the the Japanese twins. And meanwhile, uh, Trevor and Sypha with Saint Germain are going to be dealing with what's going on at the Priory. The climax of the season, it looks like, is going to lead up to a big fight of some sort at the at the Priory, probably with that night creature. 
and probably a whole horde of others that are coming through the portal once the uh, once the monks there, you know, figure out what they're doing because <laughs> uh, they didn't even know what the what the sulfur cross meant. Yeah, uh, and there's somebody somebody decided to take their pocket knife and scratch their own symbol. Into the uh, basically the entryway of this little town. Into the gate of the town, and another one on the wall of some building. And Saifa identified it as the symbol for lead, which means like transfiguration or redemption. I, some, it's one of those things. I'm sure it's like in context means different things. But I'm honestly wondering if there's an alchemist in this. There is. It's Saint Germain. <laughs> Well, besides him. Yeah. Uh, well, but I'm what I'm guessing is the monks. N- know about the portal or whatever underneath the underneath the pro, the underneath the church they just don't know how to use it but now that he's told them about what the what the sulfur cross means that it's represented that it can be used in alchemy and by by philosophers to, to denote hell they're probably going to try to open a portal there quite possibly uh, somebody did drop a line that um Dracula and his wife are both in hell. Or it's like, that's what they believe. Dracula, unquestionably, in yeah. hell. His wife, we don't know. She was a generally good person. Yes, she she uh, cons- she was a consort of a vampire, uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that she did things that would have consigned her to hell. But, you know, regardless, the monks believe that she's in, believe that she's in hell because... That's how their warped belief system works now. Um, but yeah, season three looks like it's going to lead up to uh, a fight at the Priory. Probably Hector is going to agree to work with the Styrians to make their army. Um, I'm guessing, though, that he is that he's not going to be 100% trusting of anything that they do. Because he'd be a fool if he does. Yeah, I mean, um, and I mean, he is learning fast. I mean, when you are marched eight hundred miles, and then when you finally get to your final destination, which is a big mountain that's covered in snow, um, and, and you've, you've got, got no you've shoes. already and you've already gotten your had your ass kicked, and you had the limp essentially, and your shoes miles. are gone, um, and you're and you're dehumanized, thrown in a thrown in a cold cell, doused with freezing water, and fed moldy food. Yeah, you're not going to forget that real fast. No. Um, but, and Isaac, I'm not sure where Isaac's going to factor into into things through the rest of Season 3. It's probably him still making his way towards uh, towards Styria. Season 4, I'm, I'm guessing, is going to lead up to the two... The, the Styrian army, bolstered by Hector's night creatures, versus Isaac and his army of night creatures, with the uh, with our heroes, which is Trevor and Sypha, probably Saint Germain also, and Alucard and the twins, all sort of caught in the middle. Yeah, so they're probably going to have to fight their way either th- through, or they're going to already be there. And they're going to literally be caught in the middle. And but either way, they're going to have to make their way to, into the castle. And well, that's the thing. I'm not. Sh- it's not. Cl- it, it may be like them fighting their way into the castle in Styria. Um, that makes way more sense as a battleground than pretty much anywhere else, unless they then follow the heroes back to Castle Dracula, and we have another fight 
in there and at the Belmont Library. Because the Belmont Library and all the artifacts and everything that, that are that's in, that are inside is still way too big a way too big a Chekhov's gun to leave unfired. Oh yeah. You know, you know the fact that they had the, the the Morning Star whip was in there, and that they were able to find the spells and whatnot that were nece- that was that were necessary to summon the castle and then lock it in place. There's got to be more down there. Maybe even something that can basically cause any Forge Master creations to just quite possibly. But snuff I mean, out. we've seen what the Morning Star whip can do to these things. This is true, but. There's only one of them. Yeah. And Isaac is basically making an army, his army grow larger with every single person that decides to be a rude fucker to him, which is goddamn everybody. Well, All he wants actually, to- actually, it's not everybody. It's just, usually just the one guy in charge is a dick to him. And then he basically is just like, I tried to be nice, kill everybody. Because <laughs> murder is the only solution for Isaac. And it's not his fault. It's true. Which just makes it all the more tragic, but I'm not sure where his narrative arc really goes from here. I suppose maybe they'll tackle it again at some point in Season 3. Maybe the Captain will show up again. I really hope he does. The Captain was way too interesting a character to just have only two scenes and then just have him just wander, sail off to sea again. I think he'll pop back up again. Because if you're saying, because, you know, based on the uh, the guy who uh, voices him... Yeah, it's like maybe. you don't get. It's like you don't get Peter Stormare to be a guy that that is only going to be in one scene. You can, and he, and he'll ham it up. But he is. You don't really want to waste him on one scene unless he is the sole focus of it, and he wasn't really uh, for you know most of his scenes. It was him bouncing off of the other characters. But similarly, Bill Nye, you know, his character is going to stick around at least for this season. Yeah. Because, um, you know, Saint Germain is an interesting character already. I can tell he's a, he's a, he's a very interesting character. There's way more going on with him than we're than we've been told. Um, and again, Bill Nye, Jason Isaacs as as the judge of Lindenfeld. Again, he's a he's a known named actor. You don't uh, just. I mean, they got him for Star Trek Discovery, so of course they're going to get him for Castlevania. <laughs> and then um, uh, Lance Reddick, yeah, he's a, he's a fantastic voice actor. He's gonna his character is going to be more important than just you know a one off than a one off scene. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, I think it also depends entirely on what the actor's availability is. This is true, but. When it comes to voice acting, Lance Reddick has basically set up a recording booth in his closet at home. That doesn't surprise me. Well, I know, and I know this because, as you pointed out when you looked him up on IMDb or whatever, when I mentioned his name, yes, he does He does voice uh, Zavala in Destiny. Bungie, when they uh, showed uh, their little Vidoc for the upcoming fall release that's, uh, that's coming up, they showed a clip of him showing off the recording booth that he set up in his closet so that he could record his lines. And I'm just like, that's dedication to your job right there. Yeah, he's not the only voice actor who has his own uh, recording booth. 
Because I know that there are other ones who... There are plenty of voice actors <clears throat> who do that sort of thing. Yeah, where they literally just go in, record their lines, and then they email it off to whoever, like, is mm-hmm. this good enough? Or they stick it in a Dropbox to whomever. Yeah. Um, so... So Lance Reddick, yeah, they could easily bring him back around to do more things. And his characters are always interesting. Even if his character doesn't always do a whole lot, you know that he's a significant character wherever he is. Like the, uh, like the concierge in the John Wick movies. Yeah. He's only in a couple scenes, but he's, you know, he, he gives immediate gravitas and, and authority in everything that he does. Uh, then finally in Chapter 3, we got to see him actually kick some ass, and it was awesome. Um, he also played uh, the character, uh, he was in the video game Quantum Break, where he played a character named Mr. Hatch. Very fascinating character, and I'm sorry this, that the game didn't do better, so we couldn't get a sequel to find out more about him. Because there was definitely more going on with Hatch than than was revealed, and then um, yeah, he's done a lot. He's done a lot of a lot of great things. I really hope that his character is not just a one off like that. Um, season four definitely seems like it's going to uh, have a big chaotic battle sequence going on. Uh, although I'm curious to see what the big climax is going to be here in season three. <laughs> Do you think Dracula's going to come back? Possible. I mean, mean, here's the thing. With the whole um, Infinite Corridor potentially being a portal to hell, that's going to factor into something. There is a 0% chance that they don't have it open a portal to hell. And maybe that's even uh, what ends up being the uh, the thing. Because we... And that's another another thing they mentioned that there was another portal to the Infinite Corridor at some other town that one of Simon's not Trevor's ancestors uh, destroyed the castle on top of it. And Saint Germain was pissed to hear about that. It's like I wouldn't have come all the way to all the way to this to the to this gray asshole of Eastern Europe or whatever the line was uh, if I'd known that there was a, if, the, if I'd known there was one in Livonia or whatever the heck it was called. <laughs> That's under a pile of rubble. You know, the implication there being that, you know, being under a pile of rubble is no barrier to him to be able to to be able to get to it. Given that uh, Sypha referred to the magic that he was using with the with the gemstone was litho was lithomancy, mm-hmm. which basically implies that he has power over rocks and stones. He's an earthbender. <laughs> this is just me playing off a comment you made during the first episode when we saw uh, Trevor and Sypha fighting those those uh, those monsters. She just launches off and starts doing like fire bending and water bending shit. <laughs> while and, and while, then, while, Sy- while Trevor I, uses his uses his whip and then just bare fisticuffs on the werewolves. I, uh, <laughs> I like how she um, freezes the air molecules. And basically steps on them to chase after this monster that she let on fire. And this thing took off real fast. And she's like, I'm on fire! <laughs> it, was a, it was a great little, great little scene. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely looking forward to where this, where this series is going. Um, anything you're particular, particularly expecting to see in the second half? Well, I guess, well, like I said, I'm questioning if whether or not somebody says... Oh, Carmilla's too powerful for us. You know, we need to resurrect Dracula. It's possible. So, um, honestly, wondering if they're going to find some way to 
get Dracula's remains and use uh, Hector to bring Actually, Dracula back. What if they don't need his remains? Remember how um, they described forge, ma- forge mastering to work? They basically take a human body and summon a demon yeah. into the body. What if they don't need Dracula's remains and all they need is a human body? But who do you think they will be willing to sacrifice? Hector would probably do it to bring to bring Dracula back. Possibly. Then again, Isaac might do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, Especially like, if he thinks that Dracula still still has the whole "I will murder everybody in the world" mindset. Yeah, because the way I see it is that I think that in the case of Dracula, because he was like the vampire lord, none of the other vampires could do anything without his permission. Yeah, but a lot of the vampire lords were all present in the War Council, and they all got they all got dumped into the into the holy water of the river at Brela. Yeah. <laughs> and the ones that didn't got killed in in the front hall of the castle. Well, I'm all, but I'm talking about in this case Carmilla because Oh, Carmilla and her council. Yes. So that's probably one of the reasons why she went to go visit Dracula in season 2. Yeah, but here's the thing. Carmilla while she's a powerful pretty strong vampire hasn't been shown to have anything like the capabilities that Dracula had. No. And neither do any of her sisters, for that matter. Yeah, we've seen Lenore turn into bats and mist. But that's child's play compared to what Dracula brought out. Yeah, compared to what he's It's like, doing. you know, bringing Dracula back to deal with Carmilla is like using a shotgun to kill a gnat. <laughs> They're going to be way too much collateral damage. <laughs> you might get the you might get the bug. But you're going to damage... Your you're going to blow a hole in the world while you're at it. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's it's a wait and see. It's like, definitely I mean, a wait and see. I mean, now we're probably going to have Hecker's army versus Isaac's army. And, um, but I'm also wondering what's going to happen, what that, how they're going to address the uh, the Japanese twins. And what, whether, you know, they un- will undoubtedly, once the big battle sequence that they get involved in in season four, most likely, is dealt with, they'll probably uh, return to Japan with all all that they've learned to deal with the vampires there to make sure that nobody there gets enslaved again. Is Alucard going to go with them? You know, we're speculating way too much about stuff that's probably another season season and a half in the future. Yeah, plus we don't know what the character's fate are going to be. Exactly. Um, we're speculating way too much. We should definitely uh, binge the second half of the second half of the season sooner rather than later. Uh, as I as we noted earlier, we're we're more, more most likely going to record another binge of Gundam tomorrow. Tomorrow, which means it'll be up next week for you for for all of you people, uh, all of you loyal listeners out there, all. 12 of you. <laughs> uh, you know, there's probably more than that, but regardless, uh, we've been talking now for almost an hour, plus the 10 minutes or so that we started started this whole thing off with. So we should probably wrap this up. Anything else you need to add before we do so? Uh, no, but um, like I said, I'm probably going to need to do a little more research on like the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, on St. Germain. And- well, not just them, but... 
the, uh, the, the game the, on the on the Castlevania game, the that, Curse of Darkness. Yeah, that the characters are from, like maybe maybe even check to see if the Styrian sisters are. Yeah, like I said, that's part what of I, it. That's what Carmilla, I'm, I'm almost certain, was probably in one of the Dracula, one of the Castlevania games at some point. It's a major vampire literary figure. Like I said, actually uh, predates Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, well, like I said, we'll see. I we'll don't see. Know, maybe she was added to the games or not. I mean, I know that other like monsters, like including like not necessarily like European monsters, were added to the Castlevania games, but you know they obviously added mm-hmm. Medusa. Yep. Uh, to yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just you go for any sort of traditional monster figure that you can that you can dig up. Yeah. But at any rate, that will about wrap this up for this week. Uh, For Chris, I'm Jay, and we'll see you when we do our next binge.